Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's a beautiful day. Sunrise is absolutely spectacular. It's only 45 degrees here on the Paradise Coast. This show is brought to you in part by the good, good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by visiting Life in Naples and reading it. Uh, find out more by visiting lifeinnaples.net. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Bob Levy. He is a constitutional scholar and chairman of the Cato Institute. We'll continue our conversation about the exercise of executive power by the president. Andrew Jopper, professor and author of Josephus of Oz, will be joining us. And Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture, author of several books, his latest, How Everything Happened, Including Us. It is December the 2nd, and on this day in 1942, Enrico Fermi, the Italian-born Nobel Prize-winning physicist, directed and controlled the first nuclear chain reaction in his laboratory beneath the bleachers of a stag field at the University of Chicago, ushering in the nuclear age. Upon successful completion of the experiment, a coded message which transmitted to the president, that was President Roosevelt, the Italian navigator has landed in the new world. Fermi integrated to New York City, Columbia University specifically, where he recreated many of his experiments with Niels Bohr, the Danish-born physicist who suggested the possibility of a nuclear chain reaction. Fermi and others saw the possibility of military applications of such an explosive power and quickly composed a letter warning President Roosevelt of the perils of a German atomic bomb. The letter was then signed and delivered to the president by Albert Einstein on October the 11th, 1939. The Manhattan Project, the American program to create its own atomic bomb, was the result. It fell to Fermi to uh, produce the first nuclear chain reaction without such a bomb. It was impossible. He created a jury-rigged laboratory with the necessary equipment, which he called an atomic pile, in a squash court in the basement of Stagg Field at the University of Chicago. Isn't that interesting? With colleagues and other physicists looking on, Fermi produced the first self-sustaining nuclear chain reaction, and the new world of nuclear power was born Created so many good things and so many bad things as well. In any event, this is the nuclear age started with Fermi's discovery. Let's talk a little bit about COVID here on the Paradise Coast. 154 new cases of COVID-19 and one additional death in Cuyahoga County yesterday. The newly reported death was identified by the state as an 88-year-old man whose positive case was counted by the state on November the 19th. Sounds suspicious to me, and it doesn't sound like uh, his life was shortened. Uh, Maybe he died with COVID-19. Anyhow, those numbers are suspicious to me. Collier's moving seven-day average for new cases was roughly 110 through Monday, 34% higher than it was on November the 1st, which is 82 at the time. Uh, Tuesday, there were uh, 87 uh, patients in Collier County Hospitals, according to data from the Florida Agency of Healthcare Administration, that's one fewer than there was reported approximately the same time on Monday. Point being here is that uh, there's a, a lot of fear being created by all these new cases. It, uh, again, more draconian actions taken by some governors and some localities. But the point is, uh, the curve is flat. <laughs> if, we don't, if, if in fact people aren't getting very sick and having to go to the hospital or dying as a result, uh, you know... <laughs> Bring it on. The second, ca- the second wave is just not as uh, fierce and deadly as the first, in, uh, at least so far by these numbers. New weekly jobless claims fell to 709,000 in the week ending November the 9th. That's good. They're estimating 737,000. Stock shell- fell sharply yesterday as investors cashed out of their November gains, but even with the sell-off, the Dow Jones Industrial Average closed its best month since January 1987. So if your 401k is looking a little bit more rust, robust, uh, that might be the reason why. A partisan group of senators on Tuesday unveiled a $908 billion coronavirus relief deal after months of congressional gridlock over another emergency aid package for American workers and businesses still reeling from the pandemic. Now, we need something like this badly, and it, if we don't do something, it's going to hurt the economy. 
It won't make everyone happy, said Mark Werner. He's a senator from Virginia in his press conference. But there's a, uh, been an enormous amount of work done, and uh, we're going to be uh, agreeing, uh, allocating $300 billion to funding small businesses through paycheck protection, $240 billion in aid for state and local governments, and $180 billion to extend boosted unemployment benefits at $300 a week for four months. Hope this can get through and uh, get passed. Hopefully, uh, Nancy Warner will uh, will support this. I looked through the list of the supporters: uh, Susan Collins, uh, good old uh, Mitt Romney, uh, Lisa Murkowski. So mainly uh, rhinos, but hopefully everybody will get on board. And, and uh, even though not every you don't like everything about it, that probably means it's a pretty good bill. Uh, Attorney General William Barr has appointed U.S. Attorney John Durham as special counsel to continue investigating the origins of the Russian collusion probe, according to multiple uh, news outlets. Barr appointed Durham at special counsel on October the 19th, two weeks prior to the election, but notified Congress in a letter yesterday, according to news sources. Barr explained in his letter to the House of Senate Judiciary Committees that in May 2019, he directed Durham, a U.S. attorney in Connecticut, to investigate some intelligence and law enforcement activities related to the 2016 presidential election. So this is good news. Uh, looking back, you may have heard a report that said that uh, Barr said that he found no wrongdoing or no, any, any fraud in the election. The results look good. Well, that was from AP, and there's been nothing to support that report. In my view, I think Barr just played it very smart. Uh, he stayed out of the politics of all this. He's appointed Durham before the election. And uh, this is kind of a bomb for if, if, in fact, unfortunately, if Biden ends up being the president, He's going to have to deal with a special prosecutor, and of course, a lot of this is going to splash on him. Anyhow, Barr, in my opinion, has done a great job uh, of staying out of the politics of all this. There are landslides, and then there are landslides. There's a lopsided votes, and then there's lopsided votes, but this egregious example of vote manipulation, and then there are really egregious examples, what surfaced during the hearings in Gettysburg on Tuesday, on uh, November the 25th, I should say. They set the standard for electoral outrageousness. An expert testifying to the Pennsylvania state flagged a batch of ballots that recorded some 570,000 votes for Biden against 3,200 for Donald Trump. <laughs> that's that's 570,000 versus 3,200. That would equate to Joe uh, bagging 99.4% of this enormous chunk of votes. That one batch alone would have flipped the state to Biden. Obvious. Uh, you just listen to all the testimony and what's going on here. Example after example of huge amounts of vote being fraudulently entered, and uh, hopefully this, hopefully people will man up and uh, and face the, what they have to do. This will include uh, the Supreme Court, state legislatures, the Republican plaintiffs who are alleging legislation that allowed mail-in ballots from all comers in Pennsylvania to divide today filed. That would be yesterday. A request of the Supreme Court to block the state from certifying the election. Uh, the state Supreme Court has dismissed the case on November the 28th, overturning a temporary block on election class certification issued by the lower court. Challenging that ruling, the emergency application for injunction dated December 1st asked the Supreme Court to prohibit Pennsylvania Governor and Secretary of State from taking official action to tabulate, compute, canvas, and certify and otherwise finalize the results of the election. So it's going to go to the Supreme Court. I wonder what Roberts is going to do. Maybe, maybe they won't even uh, entertain the court the case. We'll see. We'll find out soon. Sworn testimony of several whistleblowers on Tuesday alleged one election integrity activist is calling potential ballot fraud on a massive scale with multiple eyewitnesses testifying to the alleged suspicious behavior in Pennsylvania and Wisconsin. This was so interesting. Uh, I watched this press conference in uh, Arlington, Virginia, by the Armistead Project, a civil liberties initiative of the Thomas More Society, presented testimony of three individuals who claimed to have witnessed apparent vote, voting malfeasance during the 2020 election. Jesse Morgan is a truck driver, and uh, he, he was great. But anyhow, for a subcontractor for the United States Post Office, claimed that a trailer he was driving, full of potentially upwards of 288,000 ballots, disappeared from its parked location in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, after Morgan dropped off the, uh, the, the uh, trailer there, he transported the ballots from Bethpage, New York, 
And he sat in a, in the, actually in Harrisburg. Harrisburg would not unload the load for Harrisburg. They directed him to take it on to uh, Lancaster, Pennsylvania, where he took the, the ballots. He said there were all uh, trays and trays of ballots there. And uh, he ended up, his, his uh, trailer ended up gone. Uh, so this just indicates to me, those if you put, you put two and two together, these were fake ballots that were taken from New York to Pennsylvania to be processed uh, through these uh, Dominion machines. Another whistleblower, Ethan Pease of uh, Madison, Wisconsin, himself a subcontractor for the United States Post Office, alleged that he was told the Postal Service was planning to backdate tens of thousands of ballots in the days after November 3rd election in order to circumvent the ballot uh, submission date. A third witness testified the Pennsylvania legislature heard at Gettysburg last week claimed he to witness Dominion voting systems vendors inserting jump drives into voting aggregation machines. The, the, the uh, evidence here is amazing. It's just, I, I, you know, if you're looking for theater, nothing better than watching these, uh, uh, these uh, cases in front of the uh, state uh, legislature. They are just really amazing. Anyhow, Phil Klein, great attorney, he uh, sent out a press release and gave this news conference. It was really amazing. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. Lifeinnaples.net is the website. Coming up, Bob Levy. He is the chairman of the Cato Institute. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden <laughs> Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific hey, service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I, I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Anyhow, Lulabee's offers so catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabees Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabees <laughs> Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabees Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It is brought to you by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York style theater at its very best and uh, building a brand new performing arts center in downtown Naples. Visit gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Andrew Joppa. Right now we have with us Bob Levy. Bob is a constitutional scholar, an author, and chairman of the Cato Institute. Bob, thank you so much for joining us. Pleasure to be with you, Bob. Thank you, Bob. Tell us about the Cato Institute. 
We are a libertarian think tank headquartered in Washington, D.C. and focused on free markets, private property, securing individual liberty, and limited government. C-A-T-O dot O-R-G on the web. And uh, your work is so important. I mean, right now, liberty is <laughs> at being threatened in so many different ways with all these mandates. So uh, Cato Institute doing a great job. Cato.org, C-A-T-O uh, dot org. Bob, we were talking about executive orders and uh, the presidential executive powers. I want to move to executive orders. And uh, when are they valid and when are they invalid? Well, here, here are the ground rules. Uh, first, the president can issue executive orders pursuant to a grant of authority from Congress. Mm-hmm. Uh, second, they're legitimate if they relate to foreign policy and national security powers that the president exercises as commander-in-chief. Third, uh, they're valid when they deal with the internal workings of executive agencies. But beyond those three categories, uh, executive orders that affect the rights and obligations of private parties are, in my view, unconstitutional. The courts haven't always agreed with that. Yeah. Uh, those executive orders are, uh, should not be providing a means by which the executive branch bypasses Congress, and yet that's what's been done. Well, it certainly has, and when you watch what happened in the Obama administration, uh, he said he had a phone and a pen. certainly happened uh, with the the Trump administration, too. He's done a lot of things, but not necessarily with the agreement of Congress. Give us an example of a president bypassing Congress. Well, a good example in both administrations has been the DREAM Act. it would have provided a path to citizenship for persons uh, brought to the U.S. illegally uh, who were under the age of 16 and who stayed at least five years as long as they met certain requirements, stayed out of trouble and, uh, and some other things. So Congress rejected. Mm-hmm. Two years later, Rubio proposed a, a light version that didn't offer a path to, to uh, citizenship, but a path to legal residence. And Congress rejected um, the light version. Then comes along President Obama and essentially enacts the Rubio version by executive order. So, in fact, you know, I support the DREAM Act. I'm sorry it wasn't passed. Uh, But the Constitution requires that the president shall take care that the laws be faithfully executed. And that provision means that the executive can't unilaterally decide to uh, enact a law merely because he thinks it's a good idea especially if the law has been explicitly rejected uh, by Congress. So the, the job of Congress uh, is to legislate. The job of the executive is to execute, but only the laws that are duly enacted. <clears throat> of course, President Trump uh, wanted to cancel uh, that executive order, and he partially succeeded. Uh, and the, finally, the Supreme Court said he couldn't do that unless he jumped through some procedural hoops that, that he may try to do within the the last few days of the administration, yeah. but I don't think he's going to succeed. That's so interesting because actually uh, President Obama said, you know, I, I don't have the authority to do this. Then he said, well, I, you know, I'm going to do it. He went ahead and did it. And now the Supreme Court ups, uh, holds it. It's just, to me, it's it's amazing. What's the constitutional amazing. framework right. for all this? Well, it was, it was set out by Justice Jackson's uh, concurring opinion in a, in a case called Youngstown Sheet and True versus... Uh, Sawyer, you may, you may recall that was a case back in the 50s when Truman wanted to seize the steel mills during the Korean War. Oh, yeah. And Jackson uh, offered this uh, analysis. He said, first, when the president acts pursuant to an express uh, or implied authorization from Congress, then the president's authority is at its maximum. Uh, second, if the president acts and there's <clears throat> neither a congressional grant nor a denial, of authority, then there's some zone of twilight in which uh, the president and Congress may have some concurrent authority. But third, and this is most important, if the president takes measures that are incompatible with the express uh, will of Congress, then his power is at its lowest. And yet that notion seemed irrelevant to uh, President Obama. Uh, He used executive orders uh, unilaterally, despite an explicit decision by Congress not to do what he then did, and President Trump, um, I think partially to reverse what Obama had done, but also, I think, uh, abused the uh, 
the power that uh, might be justified under the executive order provision. So interesting. So how do presidents justify the use of executive orders? Mostly they assert that other presidents have done the same thing. And that's true enough. Uh, but, you know, so the actions of presidents uh, were, were starkly different prior to uh, Obama. I think they were discreet and temporary and in response to some exigent circumstances uh, like Katrina, the, you know, the war in Haiti and more under the Trump administration, of course, the, the uh, pandemic. Um, but, you know, we, we didn't have uh, an equivalent emergency under the Obama administration and the and their DACA order, their immigration order, was open-ended and vast in its its scope. He, he wasn't just setting priorities or conserving resources. He was rewriting the law by watering down uh, its its provisions. And so imagine if uh, a future president comes along and wants to waive parts of the Clean Air Act mm-hmm. or or Dodd Frank. I mean, folks on the left would have been would have gone nuts, and they would have had a, a right to to go express their dismay. And it's not just immigration. I mean, the Obama administration issued executive orders delaying Obamacare's employer mandate, uh, allowing insurance policies that didn't meet uh, Obamacare's minimum standards. Uh, They discovered new hardship exemptions for people who lost their health and on and on and on. Uh, The the Constitution doesn't give the president uh, unilateral authority to alter federal statutes. Well, and two, I mean, the, the assumption of what happened with Obamacare is that everyone has a right to health insure <laughs> health care. Yes. Uh, there is no such right, quite frankly. There's the, uh, as you've pointed out so many times on the show, our rights come in, in a way that uh, we're certainly not infringing on the rights of other people. We can't have rights where we uh, that infringe on other people's rights as well. So, indeed, yeah, it's it's so interesting. So, uh, I want to ask you a final question. Now, we, we see. Uh, and I'm so pleased that our governor has taken the position that he has. But you're now seeing uh, governors saying, hey, we're going to take the chickens out. They can't buy a chicken over 10 pounds. That happened in California. Make sure you keep your mask on. And uh, so when you stick food in your mouth, put your mask back over while you're chewing. These types of absurd types of things, governors, clu- mayors closing schools. Is this constitutional? Well, you know, the, the governor has, uh, which the president doesn't have, the governor has police power. There is no federal police power. Mm. <clears throat> so the governor has a bit more leeway. But that doesn't mean that the governor can, has, has carte blanche. Yeah. So you always have, for example, the Equal Protection Clause of the Constitution. You have the Due Process Clause of, uh, of the Constitution. You cannot have the governor implementing by executive order or any other way um, pro- uh, policies that, in fact, infringe on uh, federally guaranteed uh, constitutional rights. So while the governor has uh, more leeway, uh, doesn't have uh, doesn't have open ended authority. I believe you again, the chairman of the Cato Institute. Bob, I really appreciate your commentary on these very important issues. Thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure, Bob. Good to be with you. Thank you so much. And again, Cato.org is the website. C A T O. Org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Andy Joppa. Andrew Joppa is a professor and author of Josephus of Oz. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Lyndon and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice are the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples.
Gulf Shore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgrowing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000 square foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of First Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit golfshoreplayhouse.org. That's golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. One of the programs they have is creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and you can find out more by visiting thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Professor Larry Bell. Right now we have with us Professor Andrew Joppa, author of Josephus of Oz. Andy, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Bob. It's rather cold out, and I hope you're staying warm over there. Well, I certainly am, but uh, you sit near the window, and by goodness, you, you want to put on a little jacket or something like that. Only 45 degrees. but I, I've got a robe on that makes me look like a bear. <laughs> Not a cloud in the sky. It's a beautiful, beautiful morning, Andy. Yeah, so, it is. It let's is. talk about what's going on uh, politically and culturally and with the elections. It's, uh, it's just, uh, it is, I'll tell you this, it's wonderful theater. I find myself in front of the TV watching the testimony and the, the what's going on in these state legislatures, and then I don't know if you saw the uh, Klein uh, press conference yesterday. But that was amazing. No, I, I did not see that, Bob. Hmm. Well, anyhow, so we, we will we will talk about that. But, okay, so what are your uh, thoughts? I'll catch up with that. Okay. Um, I think yeah, you know, we in Collier County have to be uh, proud of, uh, of how we ran our campaigns here and i think the 93.5 percent of the republicans turning out to vote mm -hmm. uh, as best i understand that it, it was the highest turnout of uh, for republicans of any county over 200,000 in america that, that that's something and i i believe if we look at florida bob we can see what the national election would have looked like if it was all run as legally as uh, as ours was in florida under the auspice of, of governor DeSantis. so I, I think that if you want to see fraud, just look at the comparison of Florida to so many of the other states that uh, obviously uh, were, were fraudulent in, in so many ways. Right. Uh, the, uh, many are asking for the president to concede this election, including many rhinos. Uh, I can see no way this president can concede this election. There's no, there's no reason to. He would have to actually um, falsify his own personal opinion. Uh, to concede this election and uh, everything that's in place, everything we know of Bob indicates a high degree of fraud. Now, having said that, um, yesterday I, I became aware um, that Bill Barr had made a statement to AP. It was an interview by AP uh, in which he said that his office, uh, using the um, uh, federal prosecutor, 17 federal prosecutors, had investigated voter fraud and found no systemic widespread voter fraud uh, that might have changed the outcome of the election. Now, there's a lot of modifiers in that statement. What does widespread mean? What does systemic mean? And so forth. Hey, Andy, uh, Andy, not to interrupt you here, but uh, uh, actually, uh, the AP did put that story out, but there's been absolutely no corroborating evidence, in fact, that it's true. So uh, I, 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 uh, I have not seen the corroborating evidence. I also have not seen any. Uh, uh, anything from Barr that would have undone that comment. Right. Uh, and that includes the, the president's comments uh, in response to it. So I, I totally agree. This is a, uh, a somewhat un uncorroborated statement, but it does seem to have enough legs where it's worth commenting on. Yeah. Uh, it also included the uh, appointing of, uh, of, of Durham as a special counsel. Uh, so I, I have... Uh, strange feelings about this process. 
let us presume it is true. There's every reason to believe that both of those considerations are, are true. Uh, if true, it either means that Barr is a swamp creature or there's some incredible plot being hatched between uh, Barr and the president in between now and the certifying of the electors on December 14th. That'll just uh, overwhelm all, all opposition to the potential of a voter fraud. I, I do not believe that potential. You know, I, I think what Barr has done, in my estimation, uh, is to try to create a peaceful transition, as, as so many are trying to indicate. It, it is better to have a peaceful transition than an honest transition. And I, I'm, I'm afraid that Barr may have become part of that, uh, of that uh, process where he presumes it is necessary to get a presidential concession. Wait, Speaking I'll, wait. of Durham, I'm let sorry, me, Bob. Let me, yeah, yeah, let me let, let me just make this comment. I, 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 my personal opinion. I was alarmed when I first read the story, and then found out the AP put out the story with no corroboration whatsoever, and I suspect it's not true. Uh, he, certainly, he has appointed Durham as a special counsel, and we could talk about that. But my opinion is that he has actually played this so that he stays uh, unpolitical. He's staying out of the fray when it comes to the election. He's trying to stay above that so he can keep his own, what I think to be his integrity. It's not his role, by the way, to get involved in the election. That happens to be the Department of Homeland Security rather than the uh, Department of Justice. I think you're absolutely correct. And again, he pointed out, as best I understand it, uh, that it's not the role of the um, Department of Justice to uh, deal with things that are not of a criminal nature and a systemic criminal nature. Right. Uh, nevertheless, the, the, the bold, the bare remark uh, will, in fact, create a, a general additional uh, pressure to uh, concede this election, which I don't think will be successful. No, it's uh, so I, won't. I think both of us are dealing with a, a lot of unknowns here. Right. Uh, and it's an interpretive unknown. So uh, we don't know what this will mean. If we move to Durham, if I move to Durham, uh, we're taking Durham from being a, um, a, a uh, prosecutorial investigator into the role of special counsel. Now, the presumption is that uh, Biden, if he takes the Oval Office, will not be able to fire him. I don't think they understand the left. If the left decides they have to fire Durham, they will fire Durham. Right. And again, being cynical, Bob, and that is my nature, unfortunately, uh, I see this as being another uh, throwing the bone to the Republican conservative world and saying, just wait, there's a lot of good things that lie ahead because Durham is now special counsel. We waited for two years, Bob, for Durham to come out with uh, some serious indictments or challenges to the uh, to what happened to the Trump campaign and uh, the transition. Uh, that has not happened. We waited post-election to have that happen. That did not happen. So I think we've transferred the Durham from the uh, the, the prosecutorial investigator into a special counsel. And again, it gives us a lot of hope that this will lead to something. But I'm afraid, once again, it's just going to be throwing a bone to, uh, to those of us that feel something should be done. And I uh, unfortunately feel that nothing will still be done. Uh, that's, that's, I, I certainly can identify with the feeling. However, when I watch the, the testimony here on these, uh, especially when Giuliani is involved in, in uh, this testimony to for example, state legislatures and senators and so forth. And the testimony is so compelling, my goodness, of not just a few votes. We're talking about massive voter fraud bringing in truckloads of, of, of ballots coming from Bethpage, New York, into Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I mean, it, it's and then uh, a testimony from a, a guy who said basically he was told, working for the United States Post Office, that uh, he was to backdate. The, uh, the date in which these uh, votes showed up, it was, they were all supposed to do that. It was an order from the United States Post Office. So you see these types of things, and you say, how can they possibly approve the vote? You know, it's, it's a good question. Here, we, you and I have total agreement. I think there's absolutely no doubt that not only did massive systemic fraud take place, yeah. uh, but it's proven. Yeah. Uh, I don't think there's uh, any, any more we have to or the... Uh, the uh, some forces have to bring to the table to prove that there was massive systemic fraud, right. including Dominion. There's, there's no doubt in my mind that, that Dominion was linked into that. If we look at Georgia and, and the role of, of Kemp and um, uh, what's, uh, Raffensperger uh, in, the, uh, in the acquisition of Dominion, after it had been rejected by, uh, by Texas, and uh, they both have, at least Kemp has financial interest in Dominion, 
Um, I think there's every reason to believe, with the information we have about it, that uh, Dominion was used to change votes. No just look at this system, Bob. It must be an adding machine. Yeah. You know, that's all we're doing with, with, with computers, theoretically, is just you add one vote and one vote and you get two votes. But these machines are complicated to the point of not being even understandable right. with their uh, with their uh, uh, algorithms and their uh, their algebraic formulas, Bob. So I know. What you they've know. done is taken a simple process and turned it into an extreme complexity, which is hardly understandable by anyone. That's right. And the, and the fraud is so massive that it's almost unbelievable. My question will be uh, when whoever the Supreme Court or these state legislatures, they put on their big boy pants, will they have the backbone? in order to make the right decision about what they see, because it's, you know, when you see it, you say, can this really have happened? It's unbelievable. Andy, we got to take a little break. Can you stick around? I'll be here, Bob. All right. We're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the uh, Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government does provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. A little shout out to Lula B's Diner there in the Green Tree Shopping Center. Under construction right now, and uh, they serve great breakfast and lunch. They could certainly use uh, uh, yeah, a little shout out. They support St. Matthew's House in such a big way, too. I just admire the owner, uh, Jerry Holacek. So, Lula B's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center. We continue the conversation with Andy Joppa. Andy, again, thank you so much for joining us. Always good to be with you, Ben. You know, we're so focused on this current election and what's happening, and I, I, I have watched probably six, seven hours a day of testimony every day, and it's, it's great theater, but on the horizon is what's going to be happening in Georgia. Well, Georgia will determine the fate of this country, in my estimation, Bob. If we cannot take one or both seats, hopefully, in, uh, in Georgia, uh, and the Senate goes into the hands of the of the Democrats, they'll be able to implement their most extreme radical positions uh, and, and platform positions, um, and there'll be nothing blocking them. If Biden's in the Oval Office and the House, uh, even though it's uh, the Republicans made significant gains in the House, which yeah. is quite uh, amazing considering theoretically Trump lost, uh, but if, they, if we lose the Senate, then uh, every, everything that we're afraid of has a strong possibility, if not an absolute reality, of, of coming to pass. If, on the other hand, we can win one of those two seats, and again, hopefully two of those seats, uh, then we can hold that off, and we can, uh, we'll, we'll force the Democrats into more moderate positions and uh, something that America can live with, mm -hmm. even without Trump in the Oval Office. We can live with that to 2022. Then the question is, what happens in 2022? Uh, no one knows, of course, but let me let me just give you some information on that. In 2022, there'll be uh, only 13 Democrat seats again and 20 Republican seats that'll be open. So, again, the Senate looks uh, particularly vulnerable once more going into 2022, <clears throat> excuse me, even if we hold it now. Mm -hmm. uh, in 2024, that reverses 21 Democrat seats and Republican seats and two independents. Uh, so what we have to do, we have to make it, first of all, to 2022. Uh, the optimism I would have is we'll take the House in 2022. And I think there's every indication with what's happened in 2020 uh, that we can do that. But all of these things are contingent 
on, on on holding the majority role in the in the Senate. If we if we do not hold that majority role in the Senate, then uh, I'm quite afraid that there'll be nothing that uh, that can be uh, aspired for America that can come to pass. So uh, the critical period from the start of the Democrat, uh, the, I'm sorry, the uh, Senate runoff on December 14th, so it's finalized on January 5th uh, with all of the implications for fraudulent voting in, in Georgia, one of the most complex states in the uh, in the union in terms of the voting process. It's theoretically controlled by the secretary of state in Georgia, but each local uh, official, uh, election official, can determine whatever they want. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's hard to find and, and, and pinpoint accountability or responsibility uh, so uh, we have to see what happens. And again, uh, I, I, I don't have an optimism or a pessimism. I just know it is a critical election. And I know the Republicans and Democrats will both be doing everything they can uh, to win this. Uh, I think the Democrats are far more devious than uh, than the Republicans. And I'm not going to say, unfortunately, but uh, it's like, I don't believe it. I don't I don't think we should ever uh, uh, go down to their level, yeah. uh, but this is the election that will determine the fate of America in my yeah. estimation. Well, just, uh, just to, uh, for those that may not be aware, I think the, in uh, the intention of the agenda, if in fact the Senate goes to uh, the Democrats, the agenda would be to, first of all, make, uh, uh, for example, Puerto Rico and the District of Columbia into states, so that would create four more senators, uh, pack the Supreme Court so that, uh, for example, the number of Justices would be 13 instead of nine, uh, and then have uh, uh, Biden appointing some more uh, ju uh, judicial activists on the Supreme Court. Uh, when that happens, it's game over. It's game over, and that doesn't even include the fact that Biden has indicated he would give citizenship to 11 million uh, illegals at, at this point. So everything you, you've defined and, and more will, will yeah. happen. Uh, and I believe that if we cannot hold the Senate on the, uh, by January 5th, uh, that everything you're indicating will happen, and there's going to be no way to recover from that. So uh, here we are, Bob, at the uh, at the uh, point of uh, America surviving and flourishing into the future, perhaps, as compared to uh, losing all of its characteristics that have been in place in 1776 uh, through, through today. Yeah. Those will be gone if we lose the Senate uh, runoffs in, in Georgia, Bob. Well, I'm not giving up on the presidential election. I would say this, that right now, uh, the uh, the people who support Trump have his back, and there's a lot of them, 70 million who voted for him. Uh, right now, his popularity, according to Rasmussen polls, is 49%. That's pretty amazing when you consider how the press is being uh, reviewing this entire thing. So I think there's a lot of patience out there, and I, quite frankly, uh, I think the Biden administration is quite concerned about the outcomes. You notice that uh, Kamala hasn't uh, resigned as senator yet, so <laughs> she... <laughs> She's she's keeping keeping both Co covering all her bets. Bob. Yeah, covering all of her, all of her bets also. So, what are your thoughts on the election? Do you think we're going to pull this out? No, you don't. No. I, again, I I've heard he doesn't have enough uh, field support from the uh, Republican establishment. Uh, certainly, the media we never would have expected that, and the the barrage of uh, of of constant uh, assault on Trump goes on. Um, Gosh, I, I wish you, I hope you're right. Certainly, uh, time is running out. Patience is a virtue, as they say. But in this case, it has a limit, li limited value. We've got to get this done. And uh, I'm hoping that uh, that Trump has concocted a, uh, a, uh, a December surprise. Uh, so let, let's hope that you're right. Uh, but if you're asking my opinion, honestly, I, I do not think this will happen. Bob. Yeah, That's, well, uh, I, I think the evidence is there to support uh, the, the fraud it's a massive fraud, that's systemic fraud that's happened in this election. The evidence is there. The question is, will the justices, the uh, members of the state house, have the spine and the backbone to stand up and say and and uh, do the right thing? And I, quite frankly, my opinion is, if one state house, for example, let's say Pennsylvania or or uh, Michigan, if they stand up and say, you know what, we're going to take back the uh, because constitutionally have the right to take back assigning the electors to the electoral college if one does it i think they'll all fall one after I, another. i think you're right i think that if one does it, it'll give the rest courage and the uh, the inspiration let's say to to get it done uh, if we add to the dilemma certainly these people are under under physical threat uh, that's already happened in, in many yeah. cases we know it's happened in michigan uh, their families lives are, are under threat they they know that 
so this is a, a, a difficult decision for any of them to make. They, they live in local communities. And, right. and these people are, are let's, let's say it as it is, Bob, these people are vicious. Yeah. Uh, if we look at what they also may add to this and the implication of, of rioting in the streets of America, and certainly I think they may decide to choose peace over, over legality. So, gosh, I, you know, this is one of the real circumstances where I absolutely hope that you're correct, Bob. Well, you I, know, you know, I feel that way. You know, I'm so, I'm so glad you brought up that point because the physical threats these people are facing, threats to their family, threats to their property, threats to their person. Already one person has been hospitalized, as you pointed out, as a result of what's happening. So uh, it's going to take a lot of courage. And it's going to take a lot of backbone to do the right thing. But I, again, I think well, the people are behind uh, President Trump and his his uh, his uh, second term. Well, I, I took the the vote count on Trump uh, as, of, as of this morning, seventy four million uh, eighty four thousand four hundred and sixty. So uh, it's amazing with this man having been under constant media assault and assault from the Democrats and impeachment and and collusion charges. This man has. Has, has weathered all that, uh, accomplished enormous things in his four years, and, and is still, I believe, at this point, uh, perhaps the most popular Republican president in history, uh, perhaps only rivaled by Ronald Reagan. Uh, but this is a man that has weathered this storm. So uh, I never count him out, and I, I agree with you totally on that. So um, I guess I, I'm perhaps unduly pessimistic, sort of whistling in the dark a little bit. Uh, so I, I hope this happens. Uh, I, I just don't see that courage that you're describing manifesting itself well, um, I'm not to sure reverse I, this election process. I'm not sure I, I do either, Andy, so that's my concern. In any event, I really look forward to our interview next week uh, and talking about this. Really appreciate your commentary here on the show, Andy. Thank you so much for joining us. Next week, we're going to talk about Gina Haspel. Okay. Where is Gina Haspel, Bob? All right. Thank you, Andy. Coming up, uh, we're going to visit with uh, Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture and author of several books. His latest is How Everything Happened, Including Us. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you or a family member suffer from chronic pain in your knees, hips, or shoulders? Joint pain can be a nagging and serious problem requiring expert and compassionate care. I know I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. Until 2006, I was suffering debilitating pain and deformity in my knees. I couldn't enjoy biking or golf or even sleep without chronic pain as a constant companion. Thanks to Dr. George Markovich and the professional staff at the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, my pain is gone, and I'm back to doing the activities I enjoy with no pain. I have a lifestyle I can only imagine. Imagine prior to knee surgery, and you can too. Call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. They will thoroughly evaluate your condition, provide personalized, state-of-the-art treatment, and help you relieve your pain and get back to your active lifestyle. At the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, your care will be professionally managed through every phase of your recovery. For an initial consultation, call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, located off Tammy Amy Trail in Bonita Springs, at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-3889 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We have with us uh, Professor Larry Bell. He's uh, the uh, uh, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture, weekly guest on the show. He's also uh, writes his column uh, on point, uh, which is uh, in Newsmax.com. 
And uh, his latest book is uh, How Everything Happened, Including uh, including us, that goes back to about 13 billion years up to the present date. A, a terrific read. Professor Bill, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Bob, thanks for having me on. It's always a great pleasure to be on your program. Thank you so much, Larry. And, uh, you know, your latest column, Biden miracle election numbers just don't add up. I mean, it's so true. What What are your thoughts on everything that's going on right now? Well, it's, it's, uh, it's very concerning, of course. Uh, a lot of People, I think, with with good reason, uh, are skeptical about the uh, the way the election was conducted and uh, the lack of perhaps safeguards and and so on. And, and there's a great deal of uh, doubt, skepticism about the accuracy of the counts. And I think you know, I think a lot of skepticism is warranted. Uh, for quite a quite a variety of reasons, and and uh, and, and that's 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 uh, that's concerning, of course, because uh, when you have fifty million people or more that that doubt that the uh, election was fair, um, and particularly with the the depth of the polarism uh, politically in the country. Uh, I don't know that we've ever seen a time like this. Certainly I haven't in my lifetime. It is amazing indeed, and uh, we have the specter right now of the election for two senators in Georgia, and uh, that, as I talked with my previous guest, that's that's a big deal. Well, that's a huge deal, because I think as a lot of people realize, if the uh, if those races were to go to the you know, to the Democrats, um, if the Democrats are saying it another way, if the Democrats have control of the, the House of Representatives and the Senate and the executive branch, and sadly it's looking more and more like they have control of the FBI and the deep state, mm-hmm. uh, everything will, uh, you know, everything can, can uh, go bad very quickly. For example, uh, been a little secret that uh, Chuck Schumer, uh, Senate Minority Leader and House Speaker Pelosi, have pretty much said they're going to uh, eliminate the the sixty vote filibuster, which then gives them control to be able to sort of unilaterally pack the Supreme Court. Even although there'll be no media vacancies, they can install perhaps four new uh, almost immediately. And and, uh, and and get through f- perhaps four more uh, Supreme Court justices and and bring in uh, Puerto Rico and mm-hmm. Washington D.C. as new states and uh, and then do you know of course pass the Green New Deal and all the other legislation they want without any curbs on that and uh, and and perhaps eliminate the Electoral College. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that'll be more difficult because there's going to be more resistance within the uh, within the within the Congress for that. But but it could be quite a disruptive event where we'd have one, essentially a one party system, perhaps for decades and longer. Yeah. So and so we're at that very pivotal point right now, and uh, it's 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 not looking very good. And I think. Uh, when we, we see all the affidavits and all the testimony of obvious uh, fraud and 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 particularly uh, in the swing states, and and then there's there's growing concern about the uh, systems themselves, the, the Dominion voting systems and uh, the Smartmatic legacy. Uh, software that ran those systems and and the origins of that system and and so on that that would have the capacity, if true, to really have a sweeping effect on a number of races, a number of states, yeah, and particularly in, in metropolitan areas that have uh, some evidence of a lot of. Uh, uh, I won't say funny business because it's not very funny, but uh, 
gross irregularities in counting and so on. Yep. So it's 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 a it's it's a really bad time for the country. Really is. I, I don't know if you saw the. Uh the press conference of uh, Armistad uh, Project Director Phil Klein yesterday with the uh, two guys, the three people actually, that testified as whistleblowers. Did you see that, Professor? I've seen parts of, of several of them. Um, I saw, uh, I think I saw the three you're speaking of. and uh, The truck and driver? They're the- clearly, yeah, they're clearly people that are yeah, very, very brave to come forward sign the affidavits and go, you know, go public on these things. Uh, it's, 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 uh, it's kind of tragic. Yeah, it is tragic. As Jesse Morgan's a truck driver, not, not a well-spoken guy, but, uh, he, he put it all on the line for his family, everything. I, I, I'm sure when he gets back, he's not going to have a job. There'll probably be threats to his family and so forth. But what he said is it, look, I had a truck full of ballots. He said, you know, I had a truck full of ballots. I drove them to, uh, uh, to Harrisburg, uh, we didn't follow protocol at all. I sat there for six hours. They said, "Don't stop here. Keep on going on to uh, Lancaster, Pennsylvania." He did uh, the ballots. He he left them in the truck. He ended up uh, leaving the truck trailer as he always does, and it was ended up missing. So <laughs> it's loaded with ballots crossing state lines. What is going on, Professor? And he said, I believe he said there was. Something like twelve pallets of uh, of these ballots. Yeah. So, Mounting. we're not not talking about a small amount. Yeah, it's like a, I think he estimated somewhere in the neighborhood of two hundred thousand ballots disappeared. From- yeah, and you could see that he was he was you know kind of emotional about it because he was he, he said he hadn't voted and he wasn't uh, he wasn't uh, a partisan activist by any means and uh, so it's. Uh, I think when Americans see this and we realize time is running out and the question is, uh, and the recent thing, of course, with uh, Bob Barr saying, well, we don't see any, any FBI or, you know, the Justice Department haven't seen any evidence of of fraud at the level that would change the results. And Mm. and then you have to say, well, yeah, but what, why, why weren't, these things investigated earlier in terms of what we see happening in Georgia now, where there's virtual soliciting of out-of-state people to vote in Georgia, yeah, which is which is patently illegal, yeah. But where is justice in this, and uh, why aren't these people being challenged uh, when they're trying to uh, again, basically do a, a double-down repeat of what happened nationally in Georgia now, and. Uh, and people lost confidence in the whole, oh, the I th- whole system. I th- That's tragic. I think so. And uh, AP actually led that left uh, that story out about Barr and his comments. Uh, however, there's been no corroborating information. There's been no taping, no anything. Uh, no, Barr hasn't made a denial of it, but uh, in fact, it's been it's probably another example of fake news and fabricating trying to influence people to give up on this thing. Well, it's it's also the thing where we say, well. If the if the Justice Department and the FBI are investigating it, uh, when we get when when will it matter? Because uh, mm-hmm. the worst will be not only out of the barn, but you know it will have run across three states before uh, there's any any rebuttal. We haven't still haven't heard about the Durham report, you know, and and, uh, and we're still waiting on all these other FBI investigations that basically we can expect to go away once. Uh, once uh, a uh, Biden administration is installed, uh, yeah, these, I, these FBI things have, and deep state things have a way of of uh, losing the news cycle and just kind of kind of disappearing. Yeah, exactly right. Well, I do believe the people are behind the president, and uh, I do believe that the, the will of the people will prevail, God willing. Professor, always appreciate your commentary. I do want to remind our listeners about your book, how everything happened, including us. A terrific read. Really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thanks so much for joining us. Bob, it's always a pleasure. Thank you. All righty. Thank you as well. By the way, Newsmax.com. Check it out. Uh, Professor Bell's column is on point. You'll find it right there on Newsmax.com. Hope you'll join us tomorrow. We're going to have Dr. George Markovich, orthopedic surgeon, join us. Uh, Keith Flaw is the co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Michael Cannon, he is the director of health studies at the Cato Institute. And 
A former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett, will be with us as well. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harton Show on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharton.com.